Hi, this is Christopher Framberg and I'm one of the pastors in SOS Church Stockholm. We are an international Pentecostal church on Kungsholmen with celebrations in both English and Swedish. Our vision is to be a church that is for all people and to all nations that are living the Book of Acts kind of life in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. We hope that this week's message will challenge and equip you to live a strong life together with Jesus. That was amazing, huh? We saw 200,000 people come out to our festival in Bukavu. And if you're not familiar, yeah, amazing. 51,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. Um, if you're not familiar with our church, we were born out of a missions organization. And that is like the heart of SOS Church is really missions. And that all people groups would hear the gospel. Um, so that's what we're continuing to do around the world, in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. That's our vision. That's what we're called to do. And um, I'm just so excited to be able to preach for you here today. My name is Whitney. And uh, hey, <laughs> thank you so much. You're so kind. I love to see so many familiar faces and some new ones. Um, so I thought I would just introduce myself quickly. I am the director of the Bible school here uh, at our church, and um, I moved here about three years ago so that I could do the Bible school, and I just couldn't leave. And now I am newly engaged, I'm super happy, <laughs> to a wonderful Swedish man, Jacob, and I'm super excited and happy about that. Uh, so that's just a little bit about me, um, but, and I also wanted to say a big thank you to uh, Pastor Christopher and Ellie for letting me preach today. They are on vacation, they are resting, and I'm so, 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 so glad they're doing that, um, because he works hard, and Ellie works hard, so yes, they are, they are resting today. Um, so I said that I'm the director of the Bible school. We just took our Bible school team to Bukavu, and I am so proud of our students that I asked two of them to come and share some testimonies today. And I've, I really believe it's going to encourage you. It's going to build your faith because we saw so many miracles, so many lives changed. So if I could have Dake and Geraldine come and join me. Yes. So we saw some um, pretty amazing things, and uh, not only miracles, but just in our own lives as well. So Zaki, you want to share just quickly? Yeah, so this was my first mission trip as we did with the Bible school, and it was amazing. But when all this, when you go, you're super nervous. You get so much pushed to be, share your testimony, preach on the street and everything. And it was a big challenge for me. I really admit it. I pushed it to the very last day to preach on the streets. Uh, but I finally did it. Uh, and it was amazing how God can use you even if you don't want to almost. It's just like, Come on. <laughs> you have to say a prayer. Like, yeah, I can do it. But yeah, let's do it. Just go for it. Uh, and we got to see 43 salvations that day. Oh. 43 more people in heaven to party with. And it was amazing how just... You have to just let it in his hand and he takes over. Yeah. I shared something that I didn't plan to that day uh, at all, um, but it turned out good in the end. So, yeah, yeah it was amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 
so uh, I have a couple of testimonies. Uh, the first one was in the uh, festival field where one lady came to me uh, with the translator. She was so excited because she just received her healing. Uh, she was talking about the fact that the day before someone prayed for her, she had this huge tumor uh, at, on her neck. Uh, the thing is that I was very skeptical. I was like, okay, I see nothing, which is, it would be great. But I was thinking, okay, I need some proof of what is going on. And then finally she said that there was someone that could prove it. And he's on the stage and he's, he's this bishop. And then finally she was able to go on the stage and uh, be seen by the bishop. And then after a little while, we, uh, I was able to hear her uh, talking about the, like from the stage, talking about the fact that she was healed. So basically, yes, it was a real healing. She was so happy. I don't know if you saw in the video, uh, the, like she was doing this and there was nothing there because before there was this huge tumor. So thank God. Hallelujah. And, uh, and then there is another testimony, and this uh, is not like healing-wise, but I would say that it's more of a change of heart that I saw. I mean, Congo, it's a very different country than the ones that we went before, like Tanzania. Uh, Congo is a post-war. Uh, people have not experienced love, so it was a very different scenario. So when we went there, uh, I felt a lot of uh, uh, hostility uh, from the people, and uh, I felt like, for, uh, especially the first day of festival, there was a lot of cynicism and some skepticism towards us. Uh, it was a bit confusing during the festival night, I remember, and when we were about to go away from the festival night with our, uh, with our trucks, uh, I saw people like, literally <laughs> doing signs of like, going to shoot us, or they were very, there was this anger. Uh, so I felt like they didn't really understand why we were there. But then the following day, um, uh, Johannes was able to talk about his testimony, and I feel like they could really relate to him and to the fact that also he uh, felt like, um, like nothing in the past. And he was able to pray for them, and he sang a happy birthday song when it was time for the salvation prayer. And I feel like Bukavu really was able to feel the love that we, yeah. we came there to love them. And that's the thing I want to say. Like, uh, I feel like love really covered a multitude of sins, and I could really see it, how they changed the behavior after that. The energy shifted. And uh, at the end, uh, when they were doing like this, we were in the trucks, no more like this, but like this, you know. <laughs> so, hallelujah, I'm really happy about this trip. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you all so much. Ah, yeah. It's so encouraging for me to hear it again, and I was there. <laughs> uh, it's beautiful what God does in the lives of people, right? Um, I, I just want to say thank you to Patricia and Benjamin today for leading us in worship. That was beautiful. And that's what I want to say today is there's nothing better than our God. There's nothing better than him. Um, and we have not mentioned it yet, but if you need translation, you can go back to the info desk and we can help you download an app. You can get headphones and we have translation to Swedish today um, if you need it. And hopefully I don't speak too fast for you. <laughs> um, so let's just pray before we dive into the word of God today. Jesus, I thank you for this room of people. I thank you for your word today. Lord, let it bring glory to you, God. Whatever I say, Lord, let it be true. Let it be straight from your heart today, Father. And I just pray that you would open every heart to receive from you. Uh, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would anoint this word, that it would sink deep into our spirits today, God, and that we would leave really feeling seen and known by you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, 
Today, I want us to look at a real family problem from the Bible. I mean, I don't know about you, but our families, we can have challenges, right? <laughs> uh, maybe it's just my family that kind of has some conflicts at times. And whenever you're in their close relationships, it's like that friction can either cause you to move closer together in intimacy and in support and love for one another, or it causes isolation, separation, loneliness, despair, pain. We can allow that friction of relationship to do one or the other. Um, the cool thing about the Bible is that it's full of a lot of imperfect people doing the wrong thing. <laughs> and I'm glad because I am really imperfect. <laughs> um, but the, the, on the flip side, it's because God is so merciful. His redemption plan is so clear because we are so imperfect and we need him so much. Um, let's just think about some of the families in the Bible that have some, um, some difficult times, like Joseph and his brothers. That was a, a challenge. Talk about dysfunction, huh? <laughs> Noah and his sons, right? Jacob and Esau. I mean, I can keep going on. Um, but we're going to glorify Jesus today whenever we see how he responds to conflict in our families. So I want us to look at Abram, Sarah, and Hagar's relationship. And I'm going to speak about the God who sees you. In Abram's, Abram's time, the most important thing was that they have children, right? They needed to have an heir. They needed to continue the family. And in fact, God even promised Abram that he would have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. But whenever we come into his story today, that hasn't happened they have been trying and trying. They've been waiting for children, but Abram and Sarah have not had any children yet. Um, and I am like Sarah. I am very impatient. <laughs> I want it now. <laughs> Whenever I was little, we would take these vacations to the beach, and we would have to drive like five or seven hours. And my parents had to pay me to stop talking because... <laughs> I was a very talkative child. I mean, they would say, okay, Whitney, say your ABCs. And I would say my ABCs as fast as I could. It got to the point where they were saying, say the ABCs backwards. Just do whatever it takes. They would give me a quarter to be quiet. Whenever I got older, they, made, they bought me books so that I would shut up. <laughs> and it's kind of funny now that I'm talking for you today. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, I'm just not very patient. Uh, and that's where Sarai is in this story. Um, in, in her case, she's waiting for a child. This is a painful wait. I think maybe many women in the room today, many families in the room today, they felt the pain of this wait. Um, this promise was from God, but it was nowhere to be seen. There is no indication that it's ever going to happen. And instead of awaiting for God to work, Sarah says, I'm going to take the matter into my own hands, and I'm going to make something happen. If it's not going to happen now, I'm going to make it happen. So that's where we're going to start reading in Genesis 16, if you want to open your Bibles or your phones with me. Okay. Genesis 16, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. 
So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. I really want to stop Abram there. Like, don't do it. (laughs) It's a bad idea. Don't do that. That's just, oh, no. I just spilled water all over my nose. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that's how it's going to be today. <laughs> that's great. I remember what I wrote down, right? <laughs> so this is a horrible idea. I mean, why does Abram agree to this? Come on, man. They're like, you should know better. But then again, it's Sarah. She's pushing him. She really wants to have kids. She is done with it. And not even is she done. She blames God. Do you see that? It says there, the Lord kept me from having children. You can hear the bitterness there. Um, And she just tries to fix everything. Thank you so much. (laughs) Wow. What good friends I have here. She tries to fix everything by herself. She thinks if God's not going to give me what what I want, then I'm going to do it by myself. Right? Is that not what all of us do sometimes? I've been there. I've been there in the moment where, where, okay, God, you didn't do anything, so I guess now I have to pick myself up and fix it. (laughs) And guess what? It never turns out the way I thought it would. Whenever I take things out of my own hands, whenever I disobey God, it always turns out worse for me. And that's what's going to happen here. Let's read it in verse 4. It says, When Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Now she's not only blaming the Lord, but she's turning the blame to Abram now. You're responsible. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. This is a a tough moment. Sarah is blaming God. She's blaming Abram. um, And that's what the devil does with us, huh? He comes in with shame. I mean, can you imagine the shame that Sarah felt? She couldn't produce an heir. At the time, that was the most important job for her. So much shame. And that just turns into blaming other people, right? That's exactly what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to question God's faithfulness, question, are you really God? Did you really say for me to do this? And then he, sh- he shifts that into us acting out to the people that love us. Uh, shame and blame, they cre- it always creates isolation. It always creates separation, loneliness. It's the lie of the enemy. That's what it says in John 10 and 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he wants to do in our relationships always. Um, But God has another plan. He's going to show up in the situation. And and we can see Hagar's pain in this too now. Hagar flees from her mistress. I mean, can you imagine? She's just come to be her slave. She has to be obedient. And she's become obedient to the point of carrying a child for her master. But now she's completely rejected. She has nowhere to go. So she runs away. And this next part of the story captivates me. She, Hagar is a nobody, and God chooses to reveal himself to her. The rejected one, the one that was cast aside, he chooses to come to her. Let's read from verse 7. It says, 
the angel of the Lord. And many scholars believe whenever it says the angel of the Lord, he's talking about Jesus. So Jesus found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I want you to remember that question today. Where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Bir Lahai Roi. It is still there between Kadesh and Bread. You are the God who sees me. In her moment of weakness, in her moment of greatest pain, God shows up and he meets her right there. He sees the pain that she's in. And that's what I want us to uh, look at today. Uh, The first point uh, that I have for us is that God sees your past. That's the first thing that Jesus does whenever he comes to her. He asks her, he points to her past and says, where have you come from and where are you going? I think what he wants Hagar to do in the moment is just acknowledge what happened. Just own up to it. No matter what the situation was, Hagar's place was to be with Sarah and Abram, their master. That was what she was supposed to do. She was supposed to be submitted to them, even though it doesn't make sense that she was being so mistreated, right? That was her place. That's where God wanted her to be. And all God wants her to do is just acknowledge and be transparent about where she came from. Um, Maybe many of you have heard my story before, but I know that uh, I have not preached about it. I have not included it when I've preached here at SOS Church Stockholm before. So I'm going to share something about me today. Um, About seven years ago, I went through a really, really dark season of depression in my life. Um, My family had had many devastating changes back to back over, you know, maybe six months. I had my whole world kind of turned upside down. And my dad is a pastor. I've known Jesus my whole life. Um, But my faith was totally shaken. And instead of really running to God and seeking his presence and, and staying in the word of God, I just totally isolated myself from the word, from church. I would go on Sundays, but I had a huge wall up in front of me. And from people in general, I mean, even my best friends. Um, so at the time, I kind of just sat in my depression for a while. I just sulked in it. I had my own, like... This is how it's going to be my whole life. I I remember driving in my car many days and begging God to take me home. And that's so far from the person that I am, my personality. Just I'm usually very positive. I love to laugh. And anybody who knows me knows that. Um, But I just had no faith for being healed. I believed in God, but uh, I had no hope left. I didn't see a day in the future that it could be better. Everything around me was just dark. Um, and just like Hagar, I just ran from the circumstances. I did whatever I could to just get away from the pain. 
Um, but God interrupted my depression one day. I mean, my family has always prayed for me. But there's a specific day that I remember I had been laying in bed crying just because I didn't want to do anything. I didn't feel like doing anything. And my dad comes in. And, and this time he wasn't, oh, Whitney, it's going to be okay. You know, let's pray real gentle. This time he came in and was like, what are you doing? Are you going to sit in this bed your whole life? <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday. He said, where is your faith, Whitney? And thank God that he did. He, thank God that he, I really believe that the Holy Spirit led him to do that today because it was like he used me to, he used my dad to remind me like I need to come home to God now. It's been enough. I need to go home to God. I need to be obedient. I need to do what, he, what he's called me to do. I need to pray and read my Bible. It was really a, a holy moment. Um, and and he, my dad told me, you need to fight. Let's fight this together. And that was like a turning point for me. There was many times that I really believe that God saw me in my deepest depression. But, but I remember this as being like a, a, a jump start in my spirit that I needed to fight this. And, and I'm standing here today completely healed of it. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but I, yeah, thank yes, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. But God really saw me in my darkest night. He really saw me. He saw me whenever I was on the floor of my bathroom. I remember my eyes being so swollen from the tears. He saw me whenever I was just totally disobeying him, doing whatever I wanted to do. But, and he saw Hagar on this day in her darkest night. He saw her and he came to her. And he comes to you today. That's why you're here. He sees you exactly where you are. He knows everything. He knows all the things that you've done in the past. He knows everything about you, and he sees you today. He wants to meet you. Um, and not only does he meet you there, he's calling you to go forward. Where have you come from, and where are you going? Don't stay there. Wherever it is that you are, if you're in a moment of pain, in a moment of weakness, don't stay there. Move forward with God. And the beautiful thing is that whenever we confess and we just acknowledge when we're just transparent about the moment that we're in, he says that he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all righteousness in 1 John 1 and 9. And, and he even says that whenever we do that, he's going to forgive us and forget all about that junk. So it's beautiful. He not only sees your past, but he sees your present moment that you're in too. In verse 10, he just kind of, he just says to Hagar, her moment, you are now pregnant. <laughs> That's where she is right now. She's pregnant. And you will give birth to a son. Wherever you are right now, God sees you. He sees Sarai rejected, barren, and he sees Hagar lost, fleeing from her circumstances, and he sees you where you are. See, Hagar didn't ask for the pain, right? She didn't ask for the pain. She was just, it was just kind of forced on her. And maybe where you are right now, it's kind of an unexpected pain. There's nothing that you did to deserve it, nothing that you could have controlled. Sometimes there are circumstances that are totally out of our control. But God is with you there. He is there with you. Um, in your present moment, the God who says that I am, that's his name, the I am, in the present, right now, he's with you. 
um, when we're with him, we're always in the right place, right? It doesn't matter where we go. If we're with him, we're in the right place, even whenever it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, God doesn't ever take the shortest route. Has anybody ever been to Disney World? Maybe nobody. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have a couple people. Nice. If you've been to Disney World, you know that whenever you come into the park, you can't see even the welcome sign because there's so many parking spaces. You just have to park really far away. And I can remember as a young child thinking, are we even going to get to Disney World? We are like, what is this place? It's just cars. But my dad took my hand and walked with me all the way to the front. We finally saw the welcome sign. And then we got to the castle. That's how it is with God. We don't know, maybe you maybe don't know where you are right now with him, but he's taking you on a beautiful journey. And one day, if we stick with the I am in the present, in our present moment, one day we're going to see that we come to a beautiful future. Yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't only see your past, he sees your present, and he sees your future. That's the beautiful thing about God is that he is in all of it. He's the beginning and the end, and he is the I am. He makes a promise to Hagar in the middle of it. He, he points to her past. He says, this is where you are right now, and this is where you're going to go. In verse 10, he says, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. God's plans for Hagar were way greater than her imagination, right? She, did, she had no idea that she was going to get the same promise that Sarai got, right? But he, she had to trust him. And had Sarai known that God was going to do a miracle in her and Abram, maybe she wouldn't have taken things into her own hands. But God is still faithful. He still redeems both Hagar and Sarai in both of their um, moments of weakness, and God has greater plans for you today. Ephesians 3 and 20 says he is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Immeasurably more. I love that. <laughs> I mean, I can bring so many uh, verses about the promises of God over your life. But I'm going to read just two more. Jeremiah 29, 11. Almost everybody who's ever been in a church has heard this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And Proverbs 23, 18. This is a verse that I've clung to. There is surely a future hope for you and your present hope. Your hope will not be cut off. If you feel like... You don't see a better day. Believe me, there is a future hope for you. It's not always going to be this way. One of my past mentors, Danielle Torres, she said something to me one time um, that really stuck. She said that fear is looking into the future and believing that God isn't going to meet you there. Maybe you have some fear about the future. Maybe you have something that is in your mind that you think is going to happen um, some years away. Or maybe you think that something's never going to happen. I mean, for me, I'm 30, and at 23, I was thinking, I'm never going to meet anybody. <laughs> I'm never going to get married. <laughs> that seems so crazy now, whenever I'm walking in such a beautiful day. But shake off that fear. Shake it off. Believe and trust that God has something better for you than you can even imagine that you could ever dream up. I mean, I would, if 
I could go back seven years ago and talk to the Whitney that was very depressed and very in a, in a very bad place. I would have never believed you if you said that I would live in Stockholm and be working with a Bible school and get to take 30 students and see lives change, 50,000 salvations. I mean, I would have never believed you. It's so much better. It's so much more beautiful than I could have ever created myself. And I really believe that he has that for each of us today. There is so many examples in scripture of God seeing people. I mean, he saw Adam and Eve in their shame. He saw Moses after he killed a man and and came to him in a burning bush. He saw Hannah as she wept for a child. And everywhere Jesus went, he was just seeing people everywhere. I mean, I was reading through the gospels and it was like, he saw, he saw, he saw. And I was like, I I can't use all these scriptures. But let me just take a couple of examples. He saw Nathaniel under the fig tree and called him to be his disciples. Every time that you see he's calling disciples, it says he saw them. He saw James and John and called him to follow them. He saw the adulterous woman and gave her grace. He saw children coming to him and didn't stop them. He saw the 5,000 and ministered to their needs. He saw the Samaritan woman in the middle of her mess and spoke with her. He saw the lame man sitting by the Bethesda pool and healed him. And he saw Peter and restored him. And I love the the story of the prodigal son. Whenever the son goes off, he spends all of his father's money and then decides, I'm going to go home to see my father. And it says he saw him from a far way off and he ran to him. That's what he does for you today. Yes. He's running after you. (laughs) He sees you wherever you are. Maybe you're in a great day, but run to him still. He's so good. He, He wants to live close to us. He is the I am. You see, this message came out of me reflecting from all that happened in Bukavu. I mean, for me, the most beautiful thing is that I got to see God meeting with so many people, people on our team, people on the streets, and and changing lives. One of the uh, images in the video, you saw a man like going like this. Well, he had been shot in the back since six months ago and had a huge bullet wound that um, he showed everyone on the stage. And while Johannes is preaching, he feels his bones cracking in his back, totally healed of all pain. He can work again. He can provide for his family again. That's beautiful. God is meeting people everywhere we go. And I just, I really want you to, to have that in your spirit today, that he sees you, he asks you, where are you, where have you come from, and where are you going? Are you going to go with me? That's what God asks. Are you going to go with me on this journey? Are you going to be with me uh, and sit in my presence? He has a beautiful plan for your life, and there's no sickness, no circumstance that can keep you from that. And beyond us, I really believe that God is saying to us as a church today that I've seen where you've been, I've seen the miracles, I've seen the salvations and the baptisms, I've seen all that SOS Church Stockholm has done, and now I'm carrying you with me into a new season. We're going together with the I Am into a new place in August, and it's going to be amazing. But he's going to be there, his presence is going to be there, he's going to carry us all the way through. And I'm really, really excited about that. I don't know about you all. So let's learn to be like Jesus and see people. Let's stop sometimes. 
I feel like God gave me this message because I have been uh, consumed by tasks the past couple of months, consumed by all of the things to do, and I need to pause more and really see the people around me. Um, on Midsummer, we had a kind of a funny thing happen. We were at Skansen celebrating, and we were watching the seals, <laughs> and this this guy came up to us and was just started like making some observations about the seals, talking to us. He seemed to be alone. And then he was like, you know, I have some free time. Could I give you a tour? He didn't work at Skansen. He did. <laughs> he was just there by himself enjoying the day. But, but I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> I love this. <laughs> a, a free tour guide. That's awesome. Um, and he, we, I don't know, we talked to him maybe 20, 30 minutes. We walked around and saw the Wolverine and the, <laughs> the bears. And we talked with him. But, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, we talked with him. And, and I just felt like, yeah, he needed just to be seen. Yeah. Uh, we didn't share the gospel with him. I, we didn't even talk about church or anything. But we spent some time. Yeah. We, we offered friendship and a smile. And not re- we didn't reject him. We just enjoyed some time with him walking around looking at the animals. He didn't have anything great to offer about the animals that we didn't know. <laughs> but it was just amazing. I really just, I just felt the heart of God for him, really. And I want more moments in my life like that. I want to I see people the way Jesus sees them. Because he says in the word of God in Deuteronomy 7, 6, he's, he says that we're his treasured possession. You know, the people around you, they are God's treasured possession. It says in the word of God that they're, we're his, the apple of his eye. Can we treat each other like we are? Can we really see people this week? So that's my challenge for you today, to hear this deep in your soul, that God sees you. He sees where you are. He loves you. He's calling you to be with him in your present moment and to walk into a beautiful future together with him. And maybe this is your first time meeting the God who sees you. Then I need you to know that God sent his only son, Jesus, to this earth 2,000 years ago. He lived a perfect life. He did many miracles, as I was talking about, but he died for us on the cross because we had sin in our lives. We had separation from God, and we needed to be restored to him. And after three days, he rose again, defeating death, hell, and the grave. He restored our relationship with God so that we can live in eternity with Jesus, so that we can have a relationship with God here on this earth, so we can experience his presence in our lives, and that He did all of that while we were still sinners, while we were still in our own pain. But if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe that he rose from the dead, that you can be saved today. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to make the choice to live close to God today. All you need to to do is believe in Jesus and confess that that we really need his forgiveness. You have been listening to a podcast from SOS Church Stockholm. If you want to know more about the church or have information about our Bible school and leadership academy, go online to soschurch.se. We hope to see you soon at a celebration here in Stockholm or at one of our daughter's churches in Gothenburg or Malmö. Have a wonderful week.